<laughs> you know what? I should have timed this better. I actually made that video, um, but I didn't do the timing right, so I'm sorry. You caught me walking out here. Uh, my name's Nate. What's up? I'm the uh, creative director here at Resurrection Church, and uh, excited to be closing this series on Go today. Um, we've been talking about what it looks like to reach the city, state, the ends of the earth. We've had missionaries uh, come up here and be guests, which is really cool to see that. And I know we all don't get to go on the mission field. We just sang happy birthday to a guy in Thailand. That was really cool. Um, we don't all get that opportunity, but we all have our own mission field exactly where we're at, right? Um, for me personally, I've, I've been fortunate to be able to uh, travel, get on airplanes, and be a part of a band that um, we go and we rock face, but we also present the gospel every single time. It's a really cool thing about uh, Cutlass, and the reason I was really excited to join that band is we, if we have to cut something from our set, we always cut music. We never cut the gospel presentation. So that's, that's been really cool. So I've been able to do that, but that for me is kind of easy. Um, that may sound weird to people who, you know, maybe you're not used to being on stage or whatever. That, that part for me has always been easy. You know what the hard part is? Is uh, the one-on-ones, right? You guys feel that? When you're talking to one person and they're just there and they're just looking at you and you have to look at them and say stuff. Uh, that for me has always been a challenge, always been way more difficult. But I have this story. Can I, can I tell you a story? Thank you. I'm going to tell it. I have this story. Um, when I fly on airplanes, I don't like it. Um, I'm 6'3", about 230. Airplanes are not made for people of my stature. Uh, I've I try to always take a bathroom selfie because it's so ridiculous. When I get in the bathroom, it's literally like this. <laughs> I don't like flying. Uh, we actually have a picture. You can see how much I like flying in this picture. Um, Am I wearing the same outfit? <laughs> it's a man of principle. Okay, so that, <laughs> that picture I took on one of my last trips, I wanted to document how much I hated it. Um, it was such a bad travel day. I was really cramped, just not. So I thought I would document that, and now I'm showing you. No one wants to sit next to that guy, okay? But when I get ready to go on a trip, I usually, before and after, I'll see a chiropractor. It just so happens that the chiropractor I see is a friend named Lauren. Do you guys know Lauren? Lauren used to attend church here. Lauren's rad. Okay. So um, I go to Lauren and say, hey. He's like, hey, you doing any traveling? Yeah, I'm actually going out this week. He's like, okay. He pops my back, whatever. And then he always says, you know, uh, when you're on that plane, you have a great opportunity to witness. I was like, Yeah or sleep. <laughs> so, because for me, that travel, I just want to be unconscious, you know? I don't want to be awake. <laughs> so what he'll do is like, all right, let me give you a hug, and I'm going to pray for you. All right, go for it. And then he goes, Lord, I pray that you would just open doors for Nate to speak and uh, that he would be able to witness. Like, dude, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're going to mess up my whole trip. <laughs> so... There was a, a time where I started to listen to Lauren, and take his advice. All right, I'm going to be open, and I'm going to talk to the person sitting next to me. 
and see if the, we can open some gospel doors. So one time I did that. I sat next to this guy, and sometimes you can take your guitar into the, uh, and you put it in the overhead bin. And we're talking, he's like, so you, uh, you have a guitar? I'm like, yeah, yeah, totally. He's like, um, are you in a band? I am in a band, a Christian band, actually. <laughs> One that talks about Christ. And he's like, oh, weird. Um, and so that was an open door, so we started to have a conversation. And what happened next was really, really cool. But we're going to get back to that. <laughs> Cliffhanger! If you have your Bible, we're going to be in Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6. Colossians 4, 2 through 6. And we're going to ask the big question today, how do we effectively witness? How do we effectively witness? So as you saw at that, in that picture, um, my default is not always to look for open doors. Um, and maybe some of you can relate to that. But if we do, we can have some cool God stories. We're going to share one today. All right, let's read Colossians 4, 2 through 6. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So the big question today is how do we effectively witness? A little bit of context here. Paul is not writing this letter to the church from his cushy church office. He's actually writing this letter while he's on house arrest. And he's there because he was preaching the gospel. So if you're like me, if I'm going to take advice from someone or I'm gonna be taught by someone in a particular subject, I prefer that that person has experience in that subject. Uh, if I'm going to take guitar lessons from someone, I would prefer that they know how to play guitar. It's just, a, it's just maybe it's just me, it's like a weird thing that I have. I would even prefer if they were good at it because then I could learn and I could also be good at it. Um, for, as far as it, concerning going and reaching people, Paul is that guy. Paul knows what he's talking about. Okay, so he gives us a few instructions in this text on how we effectively witness. He shares two instructions. Number one, prepare with prayer. Prepare with prayer. Everybody, prepare with prayer. Prepare with prayer. <laughs> so weird, but you're going to remember that now. It's like a chant. Number two, speak with salt. Prepare with prayer, speak with salt. Now, prayer is what we do before we speak, ideally. And reaching others starts with reaching out to God first. Before we speak to others about God, we need to speak to God about others. So before we speak to others about God, we need to speak to God about others. Well, how do we do this? We do this through prayer. Number one, prepare with prayer. So what is prayer? Bless you. Um, I spent uh, a lot of time doing research, compiling all kinds of texts and commentaries, a lot of theological digging, and what I came up with about prayer is this. Write this down. Prayer is talking to God. Okay. 
I'll give you a second to let it sort of like, uh, it's a lot. Uh, pr- talking to God, that's the short answer. Prayer is talking to God. When we think of prayer, maybe we think of the blessing we say before our food or asking God to give us something. A lot of times it's like that last resort when we've tried everything else, so we pray. Um, but if we are to reach people, if we are to go, tell them about this relationship that we have with God, we need to have a healthy prayer life. We need an open line of communication. It becomes difficult to develop a relationship with someone that you don't talk to. I like to think of prayer as a reverse cell phone. What does that mean? Okay, how many of you have like a smartphone? Everyone on earth? Okay, Uh, let's just take an iPhone for example. We have an iPhone and let's say you, it's all charged up and you send five text messages and you check your emails. Okay, so it's immediately down to 10%. (laughs) And if there's an update coming or a new iPhone coming out, it doesn't work at all. So prayer is the opposite of that. The more you use it, the more charged it becomes. So when I am feeling out of sync or I'm feeling like I don't have the passion or motivation to share about this savior that I have this relationship with, it's probably because of my prayer life is lacking. I don't have an open communication, so I really don't have a lot to share. That, that reverse cell phone is not charged. Okay, so we know what prayer is. Just wanted to go over that really quick because Paul is going to give us three ways to pray. Three ways to pray. It's going to be persistent, persistently, watchfully, and thankfully. So let's start with persistently. Paul says in this text, continue steadfastly in prayer. Being steadfast, being persistent, it has more to do with intentionality than frequency. Although frequency is great, uh, it's not necessarily saying that you need to just constantly be praying, mumbling under your breath, talking to God 100% of the day. Although if you do that, that's, that's cool. Um, this has more to do about intentionality, about being specific. You ever been in like one of those prayer circles where everyone's given a prayer request? Oh, pray for this, pray for that. And then there's that one person's like, ah, mine's unspoken. Pray for my unspoken. Okay. Um, that's, yeah, how do I do that exactly? God knows what we're praying for already. Yeah? He knows. Okay, so being specific is important. When you're growing, let's do a hypothetical. You're growing up, and let's say it's Christmas, and your parents ask you what you want for Christmas, and you say, you're specific. You don't say, oh, just, it's an unspoken. (laughs) Just unspoken. No, you say, I want a USS flag for Christmas. Okay? I want a USS, do we have, look at that thing, come on! This is going to come up every single time I preach, just so you know. <laughs> Till I get that ship. You, be, you are specific. Now, your parents, <laughs> they may answer that prayer. They will answer that prayer. It'll be a yes or it'll be a big fat no, okay? But God is asking for specificity. You can be specific with God because guess what? He already knows. And when Paul is writing this letter, he's asking for specifics. He says, 
At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us for the word, open a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear because this is how I ought to speak. He's being very specific there. So praying persistently. Number two, praying watchfully because the enemy will send distractions. Have you noticed every single time you open your Bible or you set aside, set aside time to prayer, something like happens. You think of all the things you're supposed to do that day. Uh, there's a bunch of sounds. If you have kids, they just destroy the house completely. Uh, everything explodes when you set down, sit down and try to have time with God. That's my experience, at least. Um, when I want to have a conversation with Rachel um, and just any kind of meaningful conversation that lasts longer than 12 seconds, I first need to take care of the little distraction in the room, which is Bubby. He's about yay high. He's a little tornado. So I need to, okay, mom and dad are going to talk right now. And so I just need you to chill for a little bit. (laughs) Here's a squeezy. There you go. Okay. And then we have the conversation. Well, setting aside time for prayer and reading, devotion, all that, that also requires that. You have to make time for it. And one of the helpful tips that I got over the years that I'll share with you is um, when you sit down to do that, keep a notepad by you or a phone. Well, no, do keep a notepad. Let's do that. Because for me, when I start to do that, everything comes into my mind. I just write it down and I keep going. Write that down and I keep going. Because you can always come back to that, right? That's been super helpful for me. All right, when you pray, number three, you're also to pray thankfully. Pray thankfully. Ephesians 5.20 tells us that thanksgiving is the natural result of being filled and walking under the influence of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at a text here, Ephesians 5.17-20. Ephesians 5.17-20 is what it says. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. I like that one. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks to God in all circumstances is evidence that you are being led by the Spirit. Have you ever been around someone who's just kind of an ungrateful person? It's not that fun. It's not, it's not, (laughs) did you say she's six? (laughs) I feel that. Mine's almost four. Uh, It's not the greatest. You want to be around people that are thankful. You ever been around someone that's just like really thankful? Like they bring food to the table, like, thank you so much. Even though they paid the person to make the food, they're still saying thank you. I love that. So with my son, I really want to raise him to be a thankful person. So every Saturday we go to the coffee shop. It's called Bubby Daddy Cookie Date. And he goes and he picks out a cookie, which is actually a pie hole, but that's too complicated. And when he gets it, if he doesn't say it right off the bat, sometimes he does. But if he doesn't, I say, what do we say? And he goes, thank you. And it's everyone just melts in the place because you want to be around thankfulness. Expressing thankfulness does several things. One, it articulates dependence. Two, it demonstrates relationship. 
Three, it communicates gratitude. And four, it generates humility. Being thankful. It's a good thing to be. Okay, we know how to pray. Three things, or three ways to pray. Now we're going to have, we're going to look at three things to pray for. Three things to pray for. Number one, we are to pray for those in the fight. Paul asked for prayer as he is out on the mission field because Paul knows, knew how powerful prayer is. When he's asking for something, when he's writing this letter and he's asking, he's not asking for a loaf of bread with a, fi- a nail file in it so he can escape. He's not asking for any of those. He's asking for prayer because he knows how powerful it is. And something uh, I've been able to experience is we, as a church, we do missions updates. We have a couple of videos and slides out in the lobby. I've shot a, a lot of videos, including videos with the, the team that went to Thailand. And we go through all the segments, tell us about what you're doing on the mission field, tell us a, a God story, and then we end with how can the church support you and help you. And you know what they all ask for 100% of the time? Prayer. And it's not even, it's usually the first thing. And if it's not the first thing, they always say it's the most important thing. Sure, you need money, you need all these different things, but they always say, well, what do you guys need? We just need prayer. Just pray for us. Okay, all right. No hot pockets or anything like that you want to say? Prayer. I want prayer. Okay. They're on the mission field. They, they understand, understand how powerful prayer is. Number two, pray for open doors. Paul says this in verse three. He says, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. Interesting thing here is Paul didn't ask for prison doors to be opened. He asked for gospel doors to be opened. He was stuck somewhere and he wasn't necessarily going anywhere for a while. Uh, what he was doing is something uh, that we, I don't know if it's an actual term, but what I, I, I've heard this is redeeming the time. Have you heard of this? Redeeming the time. So if you're in a car ride and you're stuck in traffic and you have, you know, however many hours to sit there, you're not going anywhere, you kind of have two options. You can waste that time or you can redeem that time. So listen to an audio book, listen to a podcast, whatever, stuff like that. that redeeming the time. Well, Paul was redeeming this time. I'm stuck here. I got here because I was preaching the gospel, so pray for an open door that I can continue to preach the gospel while I'm in prison. That's pretty awesome. Speaking of prison, back to the airplane story. Uh, Stuck on an airplane, not a fan, sitting next to this guy. He asked me if I'm in a band. I said, yes, I'm in a Christian band. Would you like to hear more? And we start talking. I tell him the story of when we uh, did a tour in Europe, we spent about a month in Ukraine. This is 2016, almost 17. And it was actually supported by the government there because they had newly uh, given freedom of religion. Before it wasn't a thing. And so the, uh, we would get to play all these free outdoor concerts. Thousands of people. Um, and we would do a rock show, and then we'd present the gospel right in the middle of that. And it was really cool because it's, it's hard to, if you've, if you've never been out of the country, 
or um, experienced that, it's hard to explain what it's like to see someone hear the gospel for the first time. Because we're, we're in America. We have, we have Christian television and Christian movies and Christian food, Chick-fil-A. We have all that stuff. Uh, but they don't. And so they're just there because they, there's an American rock band. American rock and roll, like, yeah. And then we preach the gospel, and I'm like, what? For me? Forgiven? It's really, it's crazy. I kind of get emotional talking about it, because they told me the, the guys in the band have done that before, uh, pre, the year previous, and they said, you're going to hate going back to America. I'm like, what? I want to go back to, I love America, Chick-fil-A. But they said, no, you're, you're going to hate it, because when we start playing shows in America again, it's going to be old news. Oh, yeah. And that's not, that's nothing to do with the gospel. That's our human um, becoming jaded, you know, our reaction to the gospel. Um, and you have to fight against that. But it was such a cool experience. So I'm telling this guy about that stuff. Um, and what he, you know, he's listening, and then he turns to me and he says something. And uh, I'll never forget this. It was crazy. But uh, we're actually going to come back to that in just a minute. <laughs> Number three, we need to pray for clarity. <laughs> pray for clarity that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. There's a mystery spoken about here in this text. Now, the mystery that Paul's referring to is not that the gospel is like this thing where you can't really understand it and it's like hidden from us. That's not the mystery. The mystery is that the gospel message is not something that we would have ever expected. This is not the way we operate. We, uh, Jesus would ask us, well, how do, you, how do you think, Nate, how do you think we should treat our enemies? We should punch them. You should punch them multiple times if necessary. And why? How do you think we should treat them? No, we should love them. Mm. I like my answer better. That's mysterious, Lord. I don't understand that. What do you mean we're supposed to love them? How do we lead? We tell people what to do. You go do this and then they do it. That's leading. And he says, nope, you have to serve them. What? Mysterious. Wash their feet too. Gross. No, that's, you're, not, you're doing it wrong, God. There's a debt for sin. How should we settle this? Send them to hell. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. No, but what if, what if I paid the debt for them? Yeah, but you're innocent. I know. But I'm going to pay the debt for them so they can have eternal life. Ah, that just seems crazy to me. That is a mystery. The gospel message is a mystery, not because it's hidden or it's super complicated. It's just it blows our mind. And when we witness, we are simply just retelling the events of our life. We're retelling the, the gospel events and, and what our life was before Christ and what our life was after. We're just witnessing. It doesn't need to be complicated, and I know we like to overcomplicate things, but we need to speak with clarity, as Paul's asking for his speech to be clear. But he does need to speak, and we do need to speak, and we need to speak with salt. Number two, so number one is we prepare with prayer. Remember the chant, prepare with prayer. Number two is speak with salt. Here's the thing about speaking that's really important. You have to speak. 
You have to open your mouth and say stuff, okay? Speaking with salt requires you to open your mouth. Have you ever heard that phrase, preach the gospel and use words if necessary? Wow, that sounds really cool. Doesn't make any sense though, because you don't live the gospel. You don't act out the gospel. The gospel is a message. It's news. It's good news. You have to speak that and retell that. Now, your life should reflect the gospel impact on your life. Understand? So you should be different as a Christian. You should live and act different. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is a message that you have to speak. It's not an either or. You don't just get to live the gospel or live a Christ-like life and think that's going to preach the gospel. You also have to speak and preach the gospel. You don't have to be on a stage to do it. You just have to tell your story. You have to witness. Romans 10, 14 says this. How then will they call on him who, uh, how, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? It's not an either or situation. We have to speak. And we have to speak with salt. Now, why does Paul use this metaphor for, with salt? Well, salt does two things. Number one, it draws out infection. Let's get, some, let's get some science in here. Salt, or sodium chloride, forces the liquid in cells to move out of the body when it comes in contact with them. If there is bacteria in the liquids, it is forced out too, helping to cleanse the skin. This is why salt water has been used since ancient times to treat cuts, wounds, sores, and skin irritations. Salt draws out infection. I've also told this story a few times. It's really gross. I had an ingrown toenail that went nuclear. I don't know if you guys remember, or anyone remember that story? <laughs> Let's talk about that again. Uh, when it was getting all gross, uh, I was like, what do I do? And so, well, first thing is, is soak your toe in salt, warm salt water because it draws out infection. So there I am with my foot up in the sink and making sure Rachel is not home. She doesn't see this. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I did, I did that. The salt water, salt, draws out infection. Um, when you speak the truth, uh, you never heard the phrase, truth hurts? Yeah, it hurts because it's drawing out infection. You know, uh, when we speak, we speak the truth, it's not always uh, a pleasant thing. It's not, it's not always a pleasant thing to share because it's, uh, you know, you can see the person's face. Or, and it's really not a, uh, always a great thing to experience. You know, when someone calls you out and they tell you the truth, you know, uh, first reaction is to flinch because it is drawing out infection. That's what truth does. Drawing out sin, drawing out infection, exposing that infection. Salt also... Preser uh, preserves and flavors. So Paul uses the metaphor of salt because in Paul's day, salt was valuable enough to be used as money and was treasured for its ability to preserve and flavor foods. So what is he actually saying here? 
by talking about salty speech. He's saying that we must have balanced speech, purifying and preserving, purifying and preserving. Anyone uh, cook a lot in here? I'm some, somewhat of a chef. I've uh, been cooking a lot lately, a lot of eggs, a lot of bacon, things like this. Look it up. It's fancy. But uh, I've been cooking you know, more complicated stuff. I made like dough this week. That was really exciting. And growing up, my mom was a really, really good cook. And when she's cooking, one of the cool parts is sometimes she would yell at you, Nate, come here and taste this. You know, come in and lick the spoon or do whatever, taste it. Well, when I'm, when I'm cooking, I'm doing it kind of how I watched my mom do it, where she didn't use recipes a lot. She just, like, felt it out, you know? Yeah, you just fill it out. You, there's an instinct there. You could smell the seasoning, be like, yeah, that's about right. I'm going to use a however much that is put it in there. And then as you're going and you, you test it out and you taste it and see how it's tasting and the sauce, you know, the sauce, the secret sauce, and you uh, find the right balance. And then boom, you have your, your recipe. Well, I think a lot of times, at least for me, when I am feeling not motivated or not excited or not passionate about sharing the gospel, it's because I haven't been tasting my, I haven't been tasting the cooking. What I'm saying is, I'm not excited to share a dish with Rachel um, if I haven't tasted it and I don't know that it tastes good. I'm not really excited to, like, yeah, you should, if I just throw a bunch of stuff in there, I'm like, that's probably okay, and here, eat that. I'm not really stoked about that. But if I've been working on it meticulously and tasting it and really absorbing it, like, yeah, the sauce, you're going to like the sauce. The sauce is good, and I'm excited to share it. The gospel is like that. A lot of times we have to do what's known as re-gospel ourselves. In fact, I would say do this every day um, because, you know, we, we think that maybe the gospel is going to get old because it's the same story over and over. The story doesn't really change. The method changes, the delivery changes, but the story doesn't change. So. But it doesn't get old because it's the greatest story ever told. <laughs> that rhymed, okay? It, it is the greatest story. It's the greatest part of our life. It's, it's, it's why we're here. So yeah, taste the sauce because then you're going to get excited to share it with others. And that's important. We don't want our speech tasting like airline food. Speaking of airline food, back to the airplane. So I'm sitting next to the guy. We're having a conversation. I've told him about my band and the things that we do and the preaching of the gospel and the effect of the gospel and like these things that we've seen and it's crazy. Um, so he shared that, pour out my, my heart, so to speak. Very difficult for me to do on an airplane. And he sort of looks at me and he says, oh man, he says, that's cool, man. That was it. <laughs> and then we land, and then it's over. What a cool story, right? Nate, why are you telling us this bummer of a story? Why would you, why? Why would you do that? Tell us a cool story. Tell us the story of a, where I share the gospel, and, he's, and, and I say, would you like to kneel and say the sinner's prayer with me in this aisle? 
sure you don't want to hear about more Jesus? Or Are you a Christian now? No, that didn't happen here. Why am I sharing this story? Because I don't want you to be discouraged. For me, in my experience, I haven't had a ton of those stories. Now, I have had some. But I think it's really important to talk about the stories where it doesn't. There isn't like a home run, grand slam. It's just sort of, there's an open door. You walk through the door. You speak with salt. And you don't know what happens next. Because I think that's a, 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 probably the majority of what's going to happen in our lives. We, we plant seeds, someone else waters, and, and who knows? We don't know. I want you to be encouraged because it's not on you to, gr- to grow this. This is God. It's our job to go. It's God's job to grow. And this story particularly, I really wanted that, you know, um, that moment I could share in the future. Where I was like, yeah, and then we just knelt together and cried and prayed, and people were like, what are you doing? And then, then someone else said, oh, I want Jesus too. And there was like a revival on this airplane, and they had to cuff me because I was causing a just, and I got uh, detained. It was awesome. And I'm writing you this letter from detainment. Uh, <laughs> none of that happened. It was just a simple, cool, man. Cool story. <laughs> oh, okay. But I'm not discouraged because I did my part. Yeah. Uh, I, took, I took a chance. I, I went. I went through an open door. And I let God take care of the rest. Yeah. As the prayer team comes up, I want to read a, a scripture to you. It's in 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 9. It says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. God's building. Sometimes we plant, sometimes we water, but God brings growth. So as we close this series and go, and we go about our daily lives, you walk out that door, I want you to remember these two things. Number one, prepare with prayer. Remember that weird chant that we made us do? Let that stick in your brain because preparing with prayer and is the prep for the open door. Ask God for open doors, be specific. Mention specific people that you want to reach. And then when the time comes, number two, speak with salt. Make sure your speech is balanced, purifying and preserving. Give them the truth, season it with salt. Be gracious, be loving. You do those two things and let God take care of the rest. We are the ones that go and God is the one who grows. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for this time that we've gathered together. Um, I pray that you would um, embolden all of us to simply just look for open doors to be a witness, to share our story, to share your story. God, I pray that you would go with us the rest of this day, the rest of this week, and that you would continue to uh, be with us and open those gospel doors and season our speech with salt. I love you. Amen.